All right, welcome to Equal Time Soccer. We are tuned in with trainer Sarah Wandheim and athletic performance coach Corey Peterson from Gopher Soccer. Corey is currently cutting some meat. I figured this was actually good to get into the video because it shows that he's really cares about his nutrition and diet. Oh, jeez. So thanks so much for both of you for being here. This is obviously for everybody a weird time, but maybe especially for you because you, you both do so much one-on-one -on -one and, uh, you know, personal interaction with folks. But um, first, let's jump in and talk about kind of what both of your roles are So uh, and just what your role is with the team. Corey, why don't you go first? Uh, yeah, so like you said, um, athletic performance coach, um, so uh, one of the teams I work with is soccer. Um, and so kind of what that entails is just obviously what goes on in the weight room, um, uh, different speed agility stuff on the, on the practice field, or, or, or sorry, on turf, or, um, you know, cool, warm up, cool down, I don't know, kind of different recovery stuff. And all that stuff is um, obviously going to be in conjunction or – uh, planned out with kind of what Sarah's doing with them in the uh, training room and whatnot. I don't know. That's kind of a long answer, I guess. But no, that's good, Sarah. And then what's what's kind of your side of the the game that you you do in your role? So I'm more the medical side <clears throat> um, to kind of break it down for people that don't see us every day. If if some one of our players is ill or injured. I'm able to evaluate them, kind of do some some general care things from my standpoint, refer them to doctors if needed. Um, anybody who has an injury significant enough to have surgery, I'm the one that kind of brings them to the doctor, do all their post-op stuff, um, take out stitches, help them like day after surgery, all of that stuff. Uh, and then a lot of rehab, and that's where things kind of mesh in with Corey. So. Uh, generally, I start with the, the very basic rehab, getting them to be able to do proper range of motion, get strength started, proprioception, things like that. And then we bring Corey into the mix and he helps us bridge until they're able to get back on the field. Yeah, I did. I probably had, uh, if people haven't read it, because now it was like two years ago, but the, the big piece we did when Emily Peterson recovered from her ACL tear, I got to talk to both of you at such length about kind of what your role was in that process and it made me uh super curious about it and just as someone who's been sort of at least like a low talent athlete before <laughs> I found it really uh interesting to hear kind of how um really well-run athletics programs or well-resourced athletics programs kind of utilize your skills but for you all like when did you oh we got a cat cam that's one <laughs> we'll, we'll keep it tally that's one but, but for you both um when did you decide this was the type of field you wanted to go into or the type of um the type of work you wanted to do or was that always something you had in mind uh for me i knew probably around high school time that i wanted to do athletic training um grew up in a family that was pretty well centered around athletics and uh also knew I wanted to work in the medical field, so this was kind of the perfect mesh of the two. Um, I kind of researched, and North Dakota State had one of the first 10 entry-level master's programs in the country, so decided to go to school there, and it kind of shaped getting into the field I am now. Went to KU for a fellowship, and then um, 
came back home to Minnesota. So. And C- Corey, I think your story involves uh, more gruesome injury than that, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, it, kind of in agreement with Sarah. Um, knew that I kind of wanted to do this from a probably high school. Um, I think it was like my ninth grade Christmas. I asked my parents for a weight set. Um, and I paid half of it from chore money and they paid the other half. Um, and so, I mean, that was kind of the start. And then, uh, when I kind of had, uh, my first serious injury, um, that's my wrist that kind of involved uh, surgery. I think that was kind of like the, the biggest kind of decision making for me, just since, uh, especially when I got to college, looking back at, wow, I wish I would have known all the stuff I do now, um, as far as training goes or coming back from an injury whatever it may be. So I think that 100% help kind of mm-hmm. shape uh, that I wanted to do this. Mm-hmm. I actually originally went to college thinking I was going to do business because I just wanted to avoid all science classes. Um, <laughs> just didn't really want to do it. I was a typical jock. Um, and then my first class, though, my first like marketing business class, I sat there. I'm like, holy smokes, this is so boring. Um, and then I switched my major <laughs> right after that one class. So it didn't last very long. That's oh my god! I I I played soccer that first year of college, and then three years of kicking on the football team. And like, what people's majors were was maybe one of the best sources of comedy amongst uh, some of those athletes. Let's let's just say some of their recruitment recruiting was the extent of want to play football four more years. So I had I had a a lot of hopping around majors uh, for teammates. I thought that was great. Um, oh yeah. We're, so we're actually all pretty similar ages where we're just, you know, we haven't been in the field that long. You know, we're we're not that old, but it still seems like a lot of the technology and strategy and athletic training has still changed a lot since since I was younger, or at least from what I can remember of hearing about, you know, my dad and how he helped my sister treat her sprained ankles in basketball. Um, but a lot of that technology is changing so fast. And I, you know, one of the things I know is you all are known for doing a good job of utilizing that. What are some of those biggest changes that have happened in terms of technology and strategy um, since you since you got into the field or like what you can remember from when you were first starting or or even when you were an athlete? Uh, for me, well, uh, going to school in a non-Power 5 school, I definitely didn't have the resources that we have right now. Um, so, like, I love that so much because especially even, like, literally right now, having zero resources to work with with our athletes, um, it made me think in a different way than I than most people probably learned thinking if they were coming up with a lot of resources, so... Um, so that being said, a lot of things have changed, um, going into KU and then coming to Minnesota, we have so many more resources than I had before. Um, I think a a lot of the things that have changed from my end of the spectrum are that we're able to do some, so many more diverse, um, techniques now. So for instance, before all this went down, we were scheduled to get, um, certified in dry needling in June, which may still happen hopefully, but like, I never would have ever imagined that that would be something that I could be doing my, on my own. Um, and right, then in what, terms of, like... What, what have players' reactions been to that development? <laughs> I actually don't know that most of the players know that or not. Uh, we'll, we'll, super... we'll see how many of them listen to the pod. It may, it may not be a very high number. <laughs> well, 
we've referred a lot of our athletes to go get dry needling elsewhere, so it'll make it a lot easier so I don't have to, like, drive them somewhere and we have to, you know, go through all that. So, um, but then in terms of, like, having BFR units available to do blood flow restriction therapy and using the Alter-G treadmill and underwater treadmills and um, hyperbaric chambers and things like that that I just, I never learned going through school, but through experience it's been really cool to be able to use that stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think once again, pretty pretty similar with uh, Sarah. Um, obviously in high school I had no technology. <laughs> um, no surprise there really, but um, same thing with college. I went to a small D2 school. Um, so, I mean, there was one weight room for every every uh, sport um, and only two coaches so uh, interning with them and obviously going through it myself it was a lot of uh, doing whatever you could as far as like scheduling and getting three teams in one small weight room at one time Um, it really kind of taught you how to coach um, problem solve uh, get get creative Um, because I mean from a resource standpoint really didn't have much I mean we had eight racks and there'd be like three teams training at one time so um yeah i mean that's like the fun part because now it's like now, now we're dealing with even less than that so it's kind of like oh well so like <laughs> it's all body so weight like, <laughs> it's all body yeah. weight or you know use it stairs in the house or whatever it may be you just got to get creative um and then i think like once i got out of college and started doing more internships or shadowing started getting to see more of the gps technology or the the heart rate technology um for sure and then obviously we're lucky to have access to to force plates uh you know different type of bikes watt bikes i mean there's a lot of cool stuff or tendo units for velocity based training i mean there's kind of a lot of stuff that um that we're lucky and privileged to have access to now that i mean i didn't necessarily have when i was playing now that could have what's up so the and so for if people haven't like heard of those the force plate is like how much actual output how much force you're putting out of your body and it measures that as you kind of step or jump right and then the the watt bike would be you know how much energy you're outputting like basically the wattage equivalent of like how hard you're biking yep uh yeah like the watt bike has a lot of different settings and then it'll all be kind of wind resistance um and then you can kind of get some some pretty cool uh downloads uh kind of like uh reports uh you can see left leg versus right leg um so yeah you get a lot of cool stuff in the watt bike as far as um utilizing different workouts or recording different workouts yeah the both leg measurement is interesting because that's so much of the like the acl and the recovery stuff is when you're building back the the other leg how do you how are you like adjusting, you know, what percentage are you getting to on the, on the weak leg versus strong leg or however you'd phrase it. Yeah. The, well, and I think maybe the most visible piece, you kind of hinted at this with the heart rate stuff, the GPS stuff, probably the most visible thing for a general fan to see in soccer or maybe just in general in sports are the, the bands that folks wear around like the, the rib cage or the, um, the chest. And then it's kind of like pokes a little bit so you can see it like under a soccer jersey. So that's probably the thing people see most. But talk a little bit about what what information you actually get out of that. Um, you know, not just the distance traveled you might see when you watch like a Premier League game or something. But what kind of what kind of data do you get from those bands? Um, and, you know, 
has it ch have you changed how you use them from when you first had them like learn that certain metrics weren't as predictive as as others or or stuff like that and i don't know sarah do you want to jump on this first uh i feel like Corey's gonna be more of the expert with this uh but i'm gonna let him start and then i'll uh, i'll come in after that i think i'll start at your last question i think when we first got the technology and you actually get to play around with it for the first time uh i was so excited and just wanted to look at everything uh and you know kind of drove myself down a really big rabbit hole of trying to do way too much um or looking at stuff uh that didn't necessarily matter or impact decisions um so i think after that kind of learning curve learning kind of from my past mistakes uh trying to figure out what questions we want to answer but most importantly figuring out like what do the coaches actually want to know um that's going to help them with, with practice or whatever it may be um but yeah so in the in the fall you'll see the heart rate strap um so with the heart rate strap you'll kind of get accelerometer data and then you'll get the the heart rate max heart rate average heart rate different time spent in different heart rate zones um etc and then they have like a, a, a sports bra uh, that they wear and, and it's like a little pocket in their upper back where you would slide the gps into um so that's where you would get like all their uh uh, distance cover, different time spent, speed zones, etc. Um, and mostly, you, you usually see a lot of males teams, like you brought the Premier League, they usually wear that sports bra on the outside of their shirt. Don't know why, but they usually do. So uh, that we, it's basically the exact same sports bra uh, the girls wear. Um, they just wear it underneath their uh, uh, shirt on top of like their other sports bra. Um, so the nice thing is since those two systems communicate together via Bluetooth, um, so then it's just one nice download afterwards. So, I mean, if it was two systems, it would have been kind of two separate downloads. Um, but I think the, the biggest thing that we get from it is, uh, especially for our coaches, would be a, a training load, which is kind of taking into considerations the, the input, so your physiological load. Um, so like the different time spent heart rate, uh, heart rate zones, and then the output, so kind of like the – uh, the distance being traveled is it high speed zones or low speed zones so how fast are you running to accumulate that distance um, and then kind of like your accelerometer data to and give then, us kind of like a train load number and are those numbers then are those basically personalized by player based on like individual baseline like if I come in and I'm like a you know 31 and a half year old transfer who hasn't worked out in nine years and I, I joined the team and then you know when players come in are they baselined kind of individually and because I every time I see you know if I happen to swing by training which doesn't happen that often or if I come by a game you know I'll see the laptop where you're where you're it looks like you're kind of seeing the the chart and you can see the graphs but are those um are those, do you do like a mix of team-wide data or, and individualized data? Or how do you, um, how does that work for players as they kind of, um, you know, have different levels of fitness? Uh, so yeah, each person's going to be different. And a lot of like the heart rate stuff is all going to be based off of kind of like their own individual max heart rate. Um, and so how we start the season is we usually have a, a fitness test, whatever that may be. And then from that fitness test, we can get their max heart rate. And then if that max heart rate kind of changes or adjusts throughout the year, uh, then that, then they can stay updated for them because um, that will directly impact, like, the time spent in those heart rate zones if their max heart rate is off. Mm -hmm. um, 
but yeah, each person, there's a lot of kids who might, might run hot, who just have an elevated heart rate, uh, quite a bit. And then there's, uh, some kids where you got to check and make sure they have a pulse, uh, during practice, uh, since you're just kind of just too sailing, there's got a very low heart rate. Um, you know, there's not running quite as hot as someone else, but that's just, that's just, uh, something you have to keep in mind. So, um, as far as when you're looking at what you're getting, it's going to be, you're comparing the individual to the individual. Um, now from like the coach's standpoint, uh, to help them, uh, we sometimes usually give like positional averages. Um, so the coaches can see that via positionally and then also like a team average. Um, but then it's also important, uh, especially at my end, just to see like the trend that the current, like that individual is having, um, just so they're staying within their baselines. Um, whatever they may be, since each person's going to be different, um, especially, like, if you came to practice. <laughs> <laughs> now, to, to be clear to anybody, there's 0% chance of any of that happening, so that's, that's okay. Um, so when, when we did that piece back in 2018 about Emily Peterson's ACL recovery, the, the one thing that stuck out to me for sure um, when I talked with Julie Eibensteiner, who's who's a former gopher, but she also just runs her own um, independent, you know, rehab and strength and conditioning business. And she's um, she definitely is is someone who I thought was a good outside perspective because she doesn't she doesn't varnish much and she's willing to say things pretty straight. And she was really clear that her praise of the way the program does, you know, basically her praise of you, too is the way that the program utilizes your perspective and your information. So I think my layman's way of describing that would be, you know, every program probably has the heart rate monitors or every program of a certain size or, or budget has the heart rate monitors. Probably most big programs have the, the GPS monitor. But I think the way it's integrated into daily and weekly planning is different, you know, by program. I think maybe some folks track it and kind of just – maybe just use it as like seeing who's working the hardest or something. You know, like I don't know how the, how the less good programs are doing it. If she's telling me you guys are one of the best. Um, but it seems like a lot of that kind of upfront information is what helps to kind of prevent the injuries. So, I mean, you both do a ton on the recovery side, but talk about, um, you know, without giving away your secret sauce, talk a little bit about what's the, what are some of those key indicators that you try to avoid or what are some of the key things you try to do um, that you think maybe others don't do as much of to try and prevent and not have to go into that recovery um, phase? Um, I mean, first and foremost, uh, technology is, like you said, useless if you don't do anything with it. Um, and so, I mean, at the end of the day, it all starts with, the person at the top so in this case coach um and, and the staff um if they didn't care about the data or if they didn't listen to what we were saying then none of it would really matter um and, and it's like i've seen that multiple times or been a part of that part of that multiple times where you're kind of just collecting data just collect data um and there's nothing really being done with it um so then it kind of just becomes like a waste of time um but I think uh, we're both very fortunate that uh, coach and uh, the other coaches listen to us, uh, ask for our opinion, take our input, uh, whatever it may be. So, I mean, by far, that's the most important thing um, is that the coaches are interested and the coaches believe in it. Um, if that wasn't the case, then the, you, the, it wouldn't even be a thing. Um, 
you know, because if when the coaches are buying into it and the coaches believe into it, um, then it makes it pretty easy for the athletes to, to buy into it and believe into uh, the process and just know like we're all on the same page as far as trying to one increase their performance um, so that we're fit throughout the entire season, but also just try to mitigate the chance of injury the best we can. Cause I mean, we all know that there's injuries in sports, um, but just trying to reduce or mitigate the likelihood of that uh, to the best that we can. Cause there's so many factors. For sure. From another standpoint as well, um, I commend Corey a ton on how much data he gets from the girls, but a lot of that data is also subjective on how they're actually feeling. And he has that come into play quite a bit instead of just the numbers. Um, So keeping track of how many hours of sleep they got, how sore they are, how their mood is, how their stress levels are, all of that stuff plays a huge factor as well into kind of what we choose to do and especially with um travel fatigue um stress levels with school time of year things like that we'll do things a little bit differently depending on what we experience that week or what we might experience coming up the next week so it's pretty ever-changing and Corey gives us a really nice plan at the beginning of the, <laughs> the season on like how things could go but it changes all the time and ultimately kind of like Corey said the the why for all of us and why we do what we do is ultimately for the girls and for the team. And so we have so much trust as a staff that everybody's input is, is uh, evaluated and um, is ultimately taken into decision-making too. So we'll get a little bit into which players are more trustworthy than others later on. <laughs> or we'll, we'll, we'll hint at that a little bit based on a Twitter question that we got today. So that'll be fun. <laughs> from a player so don't oh. worry it'll be it'll be an easy target i think for you i think she may have even been allowing herself to be the target so we'll see um okay. but i think the idea of like what information they're giving you but also what i constantly think about is um you know you all interact with the players so much individually and in a really like personal individual or small group or regular way so you really have a really good sense of which ones have a higher threshold for you know soreness or pain or or um you know all of that stuff and i think you know everyone only knows their own so trying to guess someone else's takes a lot of time to like learn their habits so i can only imagine how fun it is when you know, you get 11 new freshmen and three transfers who come in. You have to learn all of them, you know, from, from jump last season. That's like the peak of it. Um, I think probably the most exhausting topic for me to hear reporters and kind of sports commentators talk about is load management. So we are, we're hearing less of it now since no one's playing. But like the NBA, I think, is maybe the, the peak for the amount that this comes up just because it started being a... a prominent narrative with a few star players who either were coming back from injury or they're aging and so they either in a general sense or in some way are not playing as many minutes as they used to and just sort of every version of that situation gets lumped into just this phrase load management where it's like it's it almost comes across as just players are randomly skipping games because you know there's they're not tough enough or they're deciding they they can't last as many minutes and it makes it come across as like arithmetic as a as opposed to kind of the multivariable like calculus that I think can go into these kind of decisions for you all. You know, 
because I think an elements of this happen on an active basis for the team, just based on how many minutes can they handle? Are they fit enough to, you know, do they need less minutes on Sunday? Cause we just played on Friday because college soccer is insane. You know, do we need a break? Um, so talk a little bit about um, kind of what element of that load management, you know, when we hear about it in a general sense, it's seen as this monolithic sort of unsophisticated strategy, but talk a little bit about kind of how you um, how you do actually actively manage the load like what the strategy goes into that and not just the it's young people now so they don't play as many minutes uh yeah i the the whole load management thing uh was pretty funny when it first came out like you said it was kind of like the nba and they're like well the hockey or nhl doesn't load manage and it's like well no they do they just don't (laughs) There's, there's, a, there's every team or everyone that has data or even if you don't have data are going to try and manage the load as far as how intense practices are or what days you have off or et cetera. Uh, I mean, the thing where there really is no load management is uh, like U sports. Um, I, I mean, like their big one they talked about was AU or all these other or U soccer where they're playing like eight games in three days. Um but, I mean, when you get up the chain as far as college or pro sports, I mean, every team's load managing to some degree as far as managing the health and safety of their players. Um, but kind of Sarah talked about it, it. The plan is constantly changing. Um, you know, you, you really never know what's going to happen. So that's why it's kind of like a fluid process as far as, all right, well, if an athlete, you know, just got two hours of sleep last night due to the midterms, and they don't look very good, then you're probably going to change what they're doing that day. There's no need to just put them through the motions, just to put them through the motions. So, or, uh, you know, maybe they're having uh, some difficult time with off the field stuff or family or relationships or stress or uh, whatever it may be. So trying to take into consideration the, the person as a whole um, and how they're actually doing um, just to make sure that we're putting them in uh situations that that aren't going to harm them or put them at risk for something to happen um i think that's kind of like the the big thing and and it changes every single day um as far as like what these kids have going on um in their daily lives with school and i mean you name it Mm -hmm. and i think another thing that a lot of people don't see behind the scenes is like Corey said, they're coming up from a youth culture where they're doing so much that a lot of times when we get them, their bodies are broken to a degree. So some of the load management has to do with the fact that they have an underlying cartilage issue that they're going to have for the rest of their life or that they're more susceptible to a bony stress injury or something like that. So um, kind of on the front end, if we know something like that, Corey and I will do a good job of like, hey, we want them to play in a game, but maybe they don't need to do, you know, cardio running on the field or something like that. So instead, can we put them underwater running? Can we put them on the alter G running at a percentage of their body weight? Can we do different things that way? Can we factor in a little bit of rehab? So um, load management is kind of literally happening all over the place with what we do with them. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think in a in a way oversimplified way, it seems like you all have those baselines of what are, what's a player's max? you know, how much how much workload can they handle before they're hitting that max? And as we're seeing the data, are they getting close to that max? And sort of managing, basically managing down from that of, 
you know, there's a lot of room between nothing and your maximum. So how much how much can we get in before we know we're putting risk in? And then every game and every month and every season, you learn more about where people's, you know, kind of risk points are, I guess, of, you know, you've been doing this for multiple seasons, you know, you know, now second second weekend games or when you have to play on a Thursday versus a Friday, all that stuff kind of feeds into it. It's the, um, yeah, I I can't imagine. Well, and now you get to do it remotely. So you get to take only remote information via conversations. So another challenge. This is this is maybe even dumber. That's a good selling point for me for the next question. Oh jeez. This this is the segment where I ask you about diet and nutrition because I watched one documentary about going vegan. So this is great. Oh, gosh. You guys can be ready about this. Corey, you sent us a picture earlier of some meat, so this was perfect. <laughs> Um, I think the, I do, it is kind of fun to see sometimes, you know, Corey, you'll post pictures you get from players when they're kind of reporting in like, oh, here's what I'm eating. You know, I'm following the guidelines or like kind of, you know, keeping tabs on them in a, in a, like an ongoing way. And, um, I, it just seems like, especially because, you know, when, if folks haven't been in there, when you walk through the athletic facilities, you see, the meal set up for athletes, you know, I've seen players come get, you know, meals after training or they get money for meals because like what you're eating is just this giant part of, you know, there's probably a million factors, but what you're eating is a giant factor in staying sh- staying in shape throughout the season and then building your strength over time and all of that stuff. And one thing uh, in particular, but I, you can talk about this element or pivot to the general diet nutrition as much as you want. One element that was talked about a lot was just um, the inflammatory nature of animal products, just the element of, so whether it's you're talking about the animal products or not, the element of certain foods like, and or alcohols, I've heard of do this too. They inflame the um, your arteries, your bloodstream, whatever, so that the blood flow is inhibited in some way. So that makes recovery a little harder or it can make performance harder. So is there, in terms of the diet, when you're looking for different types of foods, you know, how much are you, like how strict or how, how firm are those boundaries where you're saying avoid these types of things, go really for these types of things? And what are some examples of kind of the, the no-nos that you try and have them avoid and the things you try and have them aim for in terms of that diet and nutrition? Oh, man, this is like a loaded question. Uh, uh, I mean, uh, I, I, there, oh, man, there's just so many different well, scenarios. Well, first, so so first uh, talk a little bit about the, the meat question. Do players ask that? Like, do, did some other random player also watch that insane vegan documentary with Arnold Schwarzenegger, or was I the only one? And, yeah, no, I, and, and uh, does, like, does the question of meat come up a lot in terms of, like, meat, cheese, whatever, um, or is that kind of a same as everything, you know, eat the healthy version, eat in moderation, that kind of thing? Uh, I mean, I know, I know Tommy, our director of nutrition, probably got, I know he got a lot of questions about that document documentary when he came out. Um, and I, I mean, obviously, yes, I like meat, but, uh, and I like protein, but at the end of the day, it's like, if you're choosing to, uh, be a vegetarian or be a vegan or whatever it may be, uh, I mean, we're going to do everything we can to try and support that whatever you're choosing. Um, cause obviously there, there's different alternatives. Um, uh, to try and get the, the protein that you need or whatever it may be. So I'm not going to say one's better than the other. It's kind of, uh, I'm not going down that route. Um, 
but uh, I mean, at the end of the day, if that if that's something that the athlete feels strongly about, and that's something that the athlete chooses. Obviously, we'll provide them, or our nutrition staff will provide them the education um, to help them in that process. Um, but you know, I mean, some kids eat very well, and you don't have to worry about them uh, as far as getting up calories in, and then. There's other kids where it's like, eat a pizza, please, so you get calories. So it's kind of like celebrating like, hey, you got food in. You ate lunch. Even if it was a bad lunch, you still ate something. Um, you know, so it's, it's like kind of like different scenarios um, for like each each kind of kid where it's like you got to celebrate those small victories. Um, or like when an athlete finally decides that they want to have some vegetables. It might not be much, but mm-hmm. hey, it's a start. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I would say, like, the, the biggest thing that we said is, like, uh, a no-no was, uh, I remember when I first got here, uh, I mean, they were getting just big plates of dessert um, after every practice meal, uh, where I'm just like, man, we're just eating cake. We're not even eating any, anything else. Uh, so, like, the big no-no was, like, all right, we can have dessert in, like, moderation, uh, but it's not going to be, like, every single night that we're going to eat, like, half our plate cake and then half our plate, you know, nothing really else. So uh, I think that was like the, like the only big thing where it's like, Hey, I mean, you got people have desserts all the time, but you know, we don't need to be doing it every single night for four months straight. You, you literally had a cake eater problem, Corey. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yes. Li- a literal cake eater problem where I was like, what in the world is going on here? This is insane. Uh, but, uh, uh, and then, I mean, cause like even, even when we're on the road, sometimes, uh, I mean, you want to make sure when you're, when they're eating dinner or they're eating lunch that they're not saving room for dessert or they're saving money, uh, that they're allowed to spend for dessert. Um, where it's like, Oh, well I could get a healthier option, but I'm actually going to get like an appetizer because I still have $4 to share with the teammate to get a dessert. Uh, so I don't think they realize like we know the system, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's like, I mean, yeah, desserts, desserts are totally fine. It's just like, you don't want to compromise like your actual meal and your actual nutrients just to eat the dessert instead. That kind of makes sense. Well, and does that, does that impact, um, the recovery stuff? And like Sarah, when you have players coming in and like, if they have to come in and do individual recovery work, like they're, they're banged up and they have to come into the training room. Like you mentioned the sleep example, which is probably the most obvious because they come in, you know, just destroyed, tired or something. But, um, you know, how much do you how much does that become an issue if someone's doing a ton of, you know, if they're injured and they have a long road to recovery and maybe they think they don't have to worry as much because it's like I won't be back on the field for nine months anyway. Does that become an issue or how much of uh, how much of an issue is it in your world? Yeah, so I'll tell you a little devil's advocate, like, horror story, kind of. This didn't happen at the U, so don't go guessing, like, with players or anything like that. But um, I did have a player one time that approached myself and the dietitian was like, hey, I'm thinking about going vegan. And we're like, okay, you know, like, these are all the things that you're going to need to consider to make sure you're getting enough nutrients to be able to regenerate and things like that. And it got to a point in time where she just wasn't recovering and she would come in for a muscle strain and it wouldn't go away. And another one would come up and it got to the point where like she couldn't even train. And we were like, Hey, you know, we told you that we'd like kind of honor this and allow you to try it, but it's not working. So we're strongly considering you think about either going the other way or getting a, a little bit more help with this. So it can happen where, 
where even though like that's one of your values and you definitely want to follow that um it takes a lot of work to be able to get the nutrients in that you need to if you're going to go down the vegan or vegetarian route Mm -hmm. not to say that we have athletes at the u who do it and they do just a fine job with it so it takes a lot of preparation though Mm -hmm. um and Corey and i tell the athletes that like day one of preseason if you're not sleeping or eating or hydrating the way that you need to we literally can't help you so you know that's definitely on you so right it's a huge part and then any of our athletes who are going through like a major recovery or a surgery or something like that we make them have a sit-down meeting with a tommy or dietitian and like talk through what their diet looks like what kind of um supplements they're going to need to be able to build up the way that they need to and all that stuff so mm-hmm. for for those who didn't listen to the last chat we did with maddie gaffney she joked about coming in five five you know 100 pounds soaking wet so uh that that can be the <laughs> challenge of just you know that's a lot of that is obviously the strength program and like lifting and actually doing a and you know on purpose like strength and, and strength building um but it is it is funny to to hear the girls sometimes the players will be chatting about you know like stuff like that and it is kind of funny because they even the ones who get like very strong and very fit are still really lean i mean they're soccer players they're still very like lean and so it's uh i was chatting with rashida beal who's over in germany now and she you know she talked about all of her recovery from her knee injuries and her goal was that she was so sad that she had lost her her legs as she affectionately called them her tree trunks because she was really proud of her legs um that's great and it was great and she because some website had called her like a soccer bitty because she had tree trunk legs it was like very bizarre but she you know she was like a great example of like really you know really strong build a really strong base and that was part of her value on the field and it's i think it is funny to to think about just having to get that caloric intake of like getting the right amount of fuel um, and so now we will start with a couple, these are Twitter questions. Now oh, we will boy. start with oh, these. Boy. They're fine. They're all from players <laughs> and parents. It's soft. No, oh, one ever, That's fine. no one ever grills our interview suspects. Um, so we have from Tori Burnett. So I'm giving so many emotions this week. I interviewed Maddie Gaffney. Now I'm getting questions from all these other old time gophers. I'm having feelings. You guys, uh, I'm missing the, I'm glory days. And so t- Tori Burnett has a very fun trivia question for each of you. She's asking, how many ankles has Sarah taped in her lifetime? And how many workouts has Corey made in his lifetime? So I would like for each of you to try and guess that number. Oh, man. Or at least in the range of. I think the ankles for me is probably in the thousands, but I'll go ahead and say that I'm taping a little bit less now that her and uh, April Bakken are gone. Uh, I'll be honest. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know. Uh, I mean, because if it's a workout, it's a day, so it's like a workout a day. But if there's multiple workouts in one day, I don't even know. I don't even. <laughs> I don't even know. I let's just, call it. Let's call it thousands. Let's call it multiple just, ankles a day, multiple workouts a day. Yeah, I'm let's, just gonna say yeah, it's a lot. Let's call uh, it thousands. Crazy about it. Let Let's pretend the ten thousand hours is a magic rule. You've both hit your ten thousand hours. The <laughs> So uh, this, I will also say there were many comments like they are great from parents. So you both are doing a good job. 
good good for you the plash goes were both very vocal in their praise of both of you so you're 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 doing a great job with megan clearly oh actually i wrote down you both should respond to that all the they both they all said you are great a lot please respond um, okay i will uh i'll respond i'll get on twitter and i'll respond For sure. that, they're I, great too i do i do think it's funny because you both do you know all the coaches have a lot of one-on-one interaction with the players but i think all the off-season work you all do you both do and the recovery especially when i when i interviewed pd's like family and their thoughts about you two it was like the most heartfelt i was like when I did my interview with Corey, I think he and I were maybe almost crying. And when I interviewed Petey's parents, I was like almost crying. It was the most heartfelt stuff I've ever talked to anyone about. And so I think that's why parents have such an affection for you two, because your work is not really visible at all. I mean, you're both technically on the field and we see you, but it's not, you know, you know, head coach is most visible, then assistants way less. And then you both are probably less so. That's probably why you have so much love because you don't get it anywhere else. We need to give it to you. Um, Rashida Beal actually had a good one. She actually chimed in too and said, how can I get faster? So just talk about if someone's trying to just build build speed. (laughs) That's all, Corey. (laughs) Can we just, first of all, just uh, Rashida is like one of the fastest players we've ever had, uh, let alone the most explosive player we've ever had uh, across the board. so I will be texting Rashida after this and just be like, you need to cool your jets, kid. Uh, <laughs> uh, because she's just insane. Because uh, she already is incredibly fast. Uh, <laughs> what do, I mean, what, so, do you do, uh, what do you do when you actually do try, you know, if, if people think, like, I had this thought when I was kicking and I was doing just general lifting the same as quarterbacks, wide receivers, skill position guys, and all I could think in my head was, there's no way this is helping me. Like, I'll, it, it probably was, but in my head I was being so complainy and thinking, if all I'm doing is kicking, you know, if someone's trying to build a skill, um, like speed, does it take more specialized um, certain activities or is it just a general strength building thing? Um, well, I would say, like, the biggest thing with soccer players is they don't like to rest. Um so, I mean, if you're truly going to try and train speed or increase speed or train that quality, I mean, you really need to do it at full recovery. Um, and I don't know many soccer players that don't like to turn a speed session into fitness. Um, as far as, like, they run a sprint, okay, can I go again? It's like you just rested 10 seconds. Uh, and so, I mean, the biggest thing when it comes to training that quality is, one, the volume does not need to be very high. Uh, it's actually probably going to be pretty low uh, to get the doses that you need. Um, but then also making sure that you gave yourself full, full, uh, full rest. If that's, I mean, I mean, we could go down so many rabbit holes just on that conversation, but is, is the um, idea similar, is the idea similar to like, if you're trying to max out your weight, you're doing higher weight, low rep. Is that similar to the speed conversation of if you're trying to add top end speed, you're trying to do like really high explosive activity, but not necessarily the, you know, 25 reps, three sets type of correct. deal. Correct. 100%. Um, so the biggest thing with speed is, uh, I mean, the, the intent needs to be there. So um, if you're if you're training at only 80% of your speed uh, because you're getting so fatigued, I'm really not, now you're not training fast, uh, you know, so now you're not really going to increase your speed because you're not even coming close to touching your speed. Um so, I mean, you can do different things as far as uh, drop-offs for individual players based on different times. So, 
uh, I'm just gonna let's say you you run 20 meters and it takes you two seconds, and that's just a number, a random number. Uh, two seconds where um, you want to make sure you get enough rest to where like the next rep is gonna be just as close, if not slightly slower. But as soon as you start dropping off uh, too much, as far as oh, and now you're at 1.8. Well, now we're not really gonna get that same quality out of it because. Uh, you're just not recovering at the speed that we need you to, which is totally fine. Um, and each kid's going to be different or each day is going to be different. But I think the biggest thing for soccer players is they actually have to give themselves the rest if they want to be fast. you got to train fast to be fast. So, uh, But they love fitness so much that <laughs> it's basically like, oh, run a sprint? Oh, 10 seconds. Oh, okay, Corey, I don't like this rest. I really don't like this rest. And I'm like, uh, I'm sorry, but... <laughs> So, you told me you want to be fast. I don't know what you want me to do. So, Corey, you're saying my run three and a half miles every day strategy might be the reason why I never got any faster when I was playing soccer? I would say that is correct. God, <laughs> if, if only I had the resources back then. But early 2000s, Matt really should have been listening. So this, this is the setup that I teased earlier. Emily Heslin asks, who's the most dramatic gopher player you've had? Oh, jeez. Ever? Ever? <laughs> yes. I'll give it to Emily Heslin. <laughs> uh, I'm going to also say Heslin was by far the most dramatic, but then I'm also going to come in and say actually one of her best friends was also pretty dramatic. Yeah, I was going to say the couple Molly between Fiedler. Molly Fiedler and so Emily Heslin were more put, dramatic. When you sure. put those two together, it was like, holy smokes, like... I mean, I'm sure Molly's gonna hate me saying that, but you—you got—you guys are shattering my world right now. Like, my whole Twitter brand is talking about how they're both workhorses uh, on the soccer field and just kind of like, uh, you know, iron women. So now I need now I need some good examples of this. I need some good examples of the dramatic well, Emily Heston situation. Our comments are first of all, our comments aren't taking anything away from like what they did on the field or the work that they did. Right. I mean, they were by far the yeah. hardest workers, by far. Uh, you know, they might just complain for like two seconds or like might need the smallest things taken care of. Uh, but they were going to give you a hundred percent no matter what. Um, but it might be like, Oh, really? And then they would go do it at 110%. Uh, uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, no, it's not taking anything away from like how hard they worked or how they took care of their bodies. And not by that anyways, it was just always like, so knowing, uh, so, so knowing, all the listeners know my admiration of these two soccer players, and they know your two admiration of these soccer players. So knowing all of that, are you willing to share the most, you know, dramatic, embarrassing, uh, whiniest version of these of a story like this? Either of you. Oh, boy. It's been a while now. <laughs> uh, I mean, the, the one thing Eslin would always say to me is, uh, she'd be like, Corey, leave that attitude at the door. And I'm like... <laughs> Uh, and like your hype, Corey, leave your attitude at the door. Uh, uh, Sounds just like, like her. Uh, <laughs> uh, I get that a lot. Um, I'm trying to think of like, I'm sure there is, I'm sure there's like a, I don't. I think that... I just get like a lot of like, hey, th some this is hurting and just like no context. And I'll be like, hey, can you come in and see me? And then they'll come in and be like, it's not really that big of a deal, but, and then we'd look at it or whatever. Just like those kinds of things happen all the time, but I miss I, them a lot. I want uh, to have this moment where someone will attend to me, but actually 
you know what? Now that I'm here, I don't want to. I don't want to stick around. Let's just yeah. let's just head out. Uh, Molly will probably kill me. Molly would always oh, really. Uh, or my favorite thing that Molly, like Molly would start every single. So uh, I did this yesterday. So uh, should I like change something? So. <laughs> She'll probably hate me. So every single time, I think I got her one time. So this was like right before uh, she was about to leave, and she was still coming and working out and training. I said, "Oh my goodness, the day has finally come. You're finally leaving." <laughs> and uh, I said, I'm, "I'll wait. I'll get a text message from the next day asking me a question." And sure enough, like she gets to uh, is it Serbia? Yeah, Serbia. Uh, and she sends me a text message, and my response back was the. The Verizon wireless carrier is no longer in service. If you feel like you've gotten this by mistake, please contact this. That she uh, she lost her mind. It was it was pretty funny. I was having fun. <laughs> this is this is great. I've realized that my two uh, quarantine podcast chats have run longer than any of my other ones, and I don't care. I, I'm sure that I'm sure the twelve parents who listen to all of our stuff will still be very happy. So so now we have a couple questions from Steph. So theoretically kind of maybe not officially but kind of your boss so we're on they are softballs don't worry one of i'll i'm gonna she has four questions so i'm gonna combine them (laughs) into two so one is about if you could sum up go for soccer culture how would you describe it i'm gonna combine that with the second question which is kind of what makes you look forward to coming into work every day or what you know from your perspective why you think um go for soccer is special so the both of those seem like they're meant to be clipped for recruiting purposes but i i also know you both well enough to know that maybe you you would agree with the implications of those questions so uh sarah why don't you go first oh boy uh so what gets me excited to go into work every day is we all have a similar attitude. We're just so excited and so happy to be able to do what we do every day. And we find so much joy in it. I guess as like specifically from a staff standpoint, we have so many touch points throughout the week where it's just the staff and we have, have fun with it. We have staff building once a week where we just like do fun things together and get to know each other. Um, but in terms of like what the culture is, um, I mean, the, they accept nothing less than, 100% effort all the time you bring the best that you can that day you're honest with it you're gritty about it um just like the hard-working mentality is so amazing and it makes it drives me to want to come to work every day for it so that was a good combo of questions because they both really are one in the same uh yeah I have to agree I think by far it's uh the people and then obviously the athletes so um, you know, it, it, it's never a chore going into work. I probably spent too much time there, but, uh, it, it's, it's just the people, you know, as far as, uh, I don't know, kind of everything, you know, you, you, you trust them, you, you like being around them. Uh, it's fun to be around them. It doesn't, it doesn't really ever seem like, uh, uh, work. Um, and then as far as like Sarah talked about the culture, I mean, it makes my job incredibly easy. Um, when they, when they have the discipline and the motivation and the work rate to do those things, it makes my job incredibly easy. So like Sarah said, when they, when they break that, it's like, uh, I kind of feel like I need to make sure that I bring it every single day too, as far as, you know, uh, 
staying up to date with uh, the best training principles or whatever it may be. Just to, you know, if they're going to give me my best, I need to try and make sure that I give them the the greatest and best training that there is, whatever it may be. But, uh, I mean, you do everything for for them, you know? (laughs) Oh, man. I'm just, all the feelings, you guys, it's continuing. The next two (laughs) questions uh, from... Steph also kind of blend together Venn diagram onto each other. So I'll just read them both. Um, uh, first is what's the, what's the most important piece of advice you'd give an incoming freshman to set them up for a successful transition. So you, you hinted at that a little bit, but um, talk about that. And then kind of similarly, what are the common traits you see in student athletes who are able to overcome a big injury or return to play just as strong? So maybe, the advice on the front end is probably the first question of kind of what do you what do you tell freshmen to make sure they can transition to the college game, um, and then what have you seen from players who are able to recover if there is a setback, you know, by the time they're here. Um, I think uh, I think the biggest thing for freshmen to realize is it's I mean, uh, what they're going into is nothing really like they've done before. Um, you know, they might have their club teams uh, and they see those kids or see their teammates, you know, maybe what, twice a week, three times a week, or maybe they go on trips together. And obviously they uh, they have like a good bond with them, um, but they've never uh, probably been in an environment like this before, uh, you know, where they're, you're with your teammates 24-7. Uh, I mean, you're kind of going into like a, a big family environment. Um and so I think uh, the biggest, my biggest advice, and obviously I'm biased towards this, but I think the sooner the kids can get on campus um, and get familiar with their surroundings, uh, as far as like the school and campus, uh, you know, get familiar with their teammates, uh, get to learn their teammates, get to ask their teammates questions. Uh, as far as what they can expect or what what should they do to come in prepared. Uh, obviously, this the bias part comes in. It gives me and Sarah a chance to get to see the athletes um, beforehand so we can try and start to learn about the athletes, uh, kind of figure out who they are, what they need, whatever it may be. Because um, when they're on campus, they get the, the resources to Sarah and myself uh, they can stop in and see the coaches if they choose so. Um, and so by them being on campus, you're actually kind of getting a little bit more feel for it. So when instead of you just showing up a week before the day before and just getting, oh, man, we're running and we're going with it, uh, now you've been practicing with the team, you've been working and training with the team as far as you know what the expectations are from a work ethic standpoint, uh, uh, mentality standpoint, what's expected at practice, how are all those things going to go to allow it to be like a smooth transition uh, into the into the fall season. Um, For sure, Corey hit the the nail on the head with that first question. So I'll take the second one. <laughs> That's easier because <laughs> I was going to echo all of those answers for sure for incoming freshmen. Uh, in terms of you know, kind of the characteristics, I guess, to set them up for success after a surgery or a big setback or something like that. I think it's different for everybody um, and it's not going to be easy for everybody and resiliency comes in lots of different ways for lots of different people. And I think the biggest thing that they need to keep in mind is that 
Corey and I are going to do everything that we can to get them back to a level that was even higher than they were pre-injury level. But in order to do that, we need for them to be open and honest with us, have a lot of trust with us, and work as hard as they can every single day. And so, like, there are going to be days where it's going to be harder to come into the training room and give your full effort or to get out on the field with Corey doing some return-to-play stuff with full effort. Um, but as long as we know that going in, we can kind of adjust things and help them get to get to a place where they can be ready. Um, we've had a lot of tough conversations with our players in order to get them there, but um, so far, knock on wood, uh, we've done a good job getting them there. So as long as they're trusting in the process, we'll get them there. So last, I realized you, you both see, you know, well, first of all, there's a few players right now going through serious rehab and, and return from, from surgery. But other than that, you also just see, you know, before the quarantine, obviously you, you were seeing players so much in the spring where we actually don't get to see them that much. And I think there's a lot of, there's a lot of skill development and, and mentality development, but I think there's also a lot of like effort and strength and conditioning and improving the physical tools that happens in the spring that then by the time sometimes I see players in fall, I'm like, holy shit, this person looks great. And so I just wanted to give you a chance to, if there's been anyone who's been, you know, really kind of busting their butt or if there's anyone you want to give a shout out to, I don't know if that's like bizarre to have to do, but if there's anyone who's been like putting in a lot of work, even if it was just before this weird shutdown and now we live in a new world in the pre shutdown spring season, were there any players who deserve a kind of an extra shout out for putting in a lot of effort and, um, you know, kind of, showing they're willing to go the extra mile to come back or, or to get better for next fall? Oh, man. Um, <clears throat> I can think of a handful of people. It's it's tough because, like, all the girls that I've worked with, I would want to probably give a shout-out. But I would say the one who's worked, like, standout hardest all year long, not, not even just in the spring, but literally all year long, has been Ada Brewer. She's been busting her butt all the time and I'm impressed by her every single day and she's one of those people that like makes me excited to come into work to work with her because she brings the energy so mm-hmm. she'd be my shout out probably oh man uh, it can be more than one I, <laughs> I mean are we just talking in like a rehab sense or no even just like you know someone coming in putting in individual work because I think the you both could see people if they're willing to put in sort of extra effort. You know, you see them when they're willing to put in extra effort or like the, we joked about, you know, players' attitudes before, but you also see kind of who is game and just like ready to ready to bust it out, like warrior mentality or whatever you'd call it, like someone who's just coming in to put in extra effort. So if there's just a few who seem like they've been, uh, basically we can't, praise and give shout outs to players when I don't see them on the field. So I'm trying to find other ways to give them some, some credit for <laughs> extra work. Well, I mean, first of all, I, I mean, I could probably go down the list about every single kid. Um, as far as different mini victories and different uh, accomplishments that we've seen so far this spring, whether that be big or, uh, you know, large, whether that be, uh, you know, improving, just jumping or improving their technical abilities or, uh, you know, kind of practicing more or, you know, already running for the first time or, I mean, P doing the compact, I mean, whatever it is. Uh, I mean, it, it's so fun to just, 
I don't know, I would just say like, uh, like the accomplishments that we get to see are awesome because like the teammates don't get to see the behind the scenes stuff or the teammates don't get to see like what Ava's been through. I mean, I've never put a kid through so many freaking bike workouts before in my life. Uh, and I just try to keep it interesting for her because it's like, all, all she's doing is biking. Cause that's all we could do. So it's like trying to come with a different bike workout every single day. And I mean, I felt so bad cause it's just day after day, like the kids just getting crushed. Uh, uh, but like always a smile on her face and ask me, well, what's next? Or, all right, well, I'm going to dominate this. Um, whatever it is, but I mean, every single person, you know, it's, it, it's always fun to see them, uh, see them grow and see them get better. Um, and I think that, I mean, an obvious answer probably for a lot of people, um, uh, is, would probably be, uh, you know, Katie Duong. Um, and the only reason, I mean, I'm saying her and, but it really resonates with me just cause I mean, we lost someone like, uh, uh, Kobe Bryant who passed away. Um, but, like, when I think of, like, Kobe Bryant, I, it's crazy. I mean, I honestly kind of think of, like, Katie Duong um, as far as uh, someone who, one, just loves the sport so much. Um, I mean, if she could do soccer 24-7, she would play soccer 24-7. She'd go to class with a soccer ball. She'd go to class with a soccer ball. I mean, the kid will do anything it absolutely takes for her to accomplish her dreams when it comes to playing soccer. Um, and so, like, I think that part is, like um, – one, it was so awesome, like, to see her on, like, that stage, because, like, I don't know, I'm just getting, like, goosebumps talking about, but, like, you get to see all the stuff that she does behind the scenes, so it's all, like, the pre-practice stuff, and then the practice stuff, or doing stuff at night by herself, or, I mean, the what she said to me before she left is, like, you're probably gonna have a lot more free time now, and I'm, like, <laughs> yeah, you're probably right, yeah, I probably will, uh, but it's just like uh, the kids, the kid, uh, the kid's motor just never uh, shuts off. Um, and I mean, I don't want to single anyone out because, like I said, I it, it was so fun this whole spring to see everyone uh, put in the work and uh, the the path that we were going on this spring was very exciting um, uh, from kind of every aspect as far as you know, seeing who's going to develop into becoming a leader or uh, who's doing a good job of taking care of their bodies, who's putting the work in and then them seeing the work uh, actually show results. So like them actually seeing those improvements. And when you do stuff consistently uh, over a period of time, you're probably going to improve. Um, it's not always going to be at a fast rate. And you're probably going to have some speed bumps along the way, but uh, you're probably going to improve. So I think that that's like the best thing for the job, you know, uh, just seeing like those improvements, whether it be doing at the USA level or, you know, Kez crushing the juggling compared to when she first got in. Yeah, you, you know, you can just go down the list. Uh, I know that's not probably the answer you wanted, but uh, no, no, that's I mean, you especially you both mentioning Ava is great. I can't. I'm gonna try and chat with her for spoiler alert, guys. I'm gonna try and chat with her for a future piece because Steph texted me during this and let me know that she'd be a good interview subject. But it's. <laughs> I mean, yeah, seeing Katie on the stage, I was I was feeling so much pride for even just like the gopher program to have a player, you know, on the on a championship team at the CONCACAF level is kind of unreal, like for my my era of of covering the team. So it was 
Uh, it's good to know there's, and for everyone listening, again, the 12 parents tell your 12 children that it takes a lot of behind the scenes effort to get to that level. And we know that. So uh, thanks so much to Sarah and Corey for joining us. This was, this was great. And we will look forward to a time when you can physically work with, with players again, when it's, <laughs> when it's safer. And until then, we'll all just uh, stay home and stay safe and look forward to hopefully and at least somewhat normal or possibly normal fall season and summer training that folks can get back to uh, once, once the risk has reduced. So thanks a lot, guys. Thank you. you got it. Thank you, Matt.